Things brought to you by Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate Paracle. Give me a call. I'll help you buy a house, sell a house, whatever it is you need. Just some information even. 855-430-8415 is the number. I'm Kyle Straub. He's Pat James. Really appreciate you joining us. Yet another edition here of Bosch to the Bigs. Kind of that slow time of the season, Pat, although really exciting when you look at the major league level because it's playoff time. Unfortunately, we're recording here on a Thursday and the lone Tar Heel that did make the postseason, Andrew Miller with the Cardinals in that play-in game for the wild card, and they will no longer be playing as they lost to the Los Angeles Dodgers, which by the way, is just absurd that they were the wild card team this year, but that was how good the NL West was. But it was kind of interesting from the last time we did a podcast to this one to watch that stretch run. We talked about the Mariners trying to get Seager into the playoff uh, for his first time ever in what potentially is last year as a Mariner. And they came up really just one game short, made a really great run, but it was a nice moment at the end of their season when they pulled him an inning early, got a huge standing ovation uh, from the Mariners crowd and even took third base with them as he went off the field. Yeah, I mean, what an amazing ceremony. I mean, you saw the video of him afterwards when they pulled him, you know, all his teammates from J.P. Crawford and uh, Jerry Kalenic, you know, some of those younger guys on that Mariners squad, you know, and just how emotional they were about the moment, not only Kyle himself, but just how emotional they were. Uh, it was definitely pretty moving and you know, kind of, maybe even a little bit emotional watching it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of that, you also had his son crew throughout the first pitch Sunday. Um, just I know what a day it was for him. Obviously, you know, it's unfortunate the Mariners fell short. We talked a lot about them a lot throughout the year, just, I mean, about how much kind of fun they were to watch kind of this weird team, you know, really young, still kind of up and coming, maybe a year ahead of where people thought they were going to be, but, you know, they ended up finishing the year with 90 wins, which were the most wins that uh, the Mariners have had in Kyle Seeker's 11 seasons with the team. And obviously, I mean, what a great year for him and career high in home runs and RBIs like we talked about. And uh, yeah, now it's a really kind of interesting situation to kind of see what's next for him. I mean, he has a $20 million club option, but, you know, he said afterwards on Sunday's game that, you know, he hasn't really heard anything from the front office about what's going to happen. Obviously, you know, with all that happened, you know, Sunday night with the pulling and stuff to kind of make sure he got that recognition. I mean, kind of seems like he's more than likely moving on, but uh, who knows? I mean, the Mariners have a lot of money to spend this off season. So maybe, you know, depending on how that goes, maybe they have enough to where they could still bring him back. So. I've been saying it since the beginning of the year, when we talked about him being a potential trade guy, if he wants to come and play in the blue and the orange of the Mets, I would be very happy to have a Tar Heel <laughs> on my team to root for. And I'm going to give you a quick moment here before we get into minor league baseball, because you have your Red Sox Jersey on or your Red Sox shirt, and they were able to take down the pinstripes and the Yankees in that wildcard playing game. So go ahead and go a little. <laughs> no, Tuesday night was definitely a lot of fun. We were actually able to, I, unfortunately, I missed the fall scrimmages this past weekend, but only because I was up in D.C., uh, caught them playing the Orioles last Thursday, then caught game one of the Nationals series to see them kind of make that postseason push. So, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely excited to have them still playing here. You know, Thursday night, uh, we're recording this here on Thursday, got the Rays coming up. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like we were kind of talking about beforehand, you know, they weren't projected for more than 80 wins this season. So the fact that they're even still playing now, it's, you know, a lot of fun still. So let's transition to uh, back to some Tar Heels and, you know, what people actually want to hear, not about who we like, <laughs> but <laughs> um, and to the minor leagues, um, as everything has wrapped up there, I guess we'll start home. You just mentioned the Rays who will take on the Red Sox. 
uh, part of that organization is the Durham Bulls, which is right here in our backyard. Um, Brian Moran helps them to finish off what is a nine and one record in the AAA final stretch championship. And I'm going to let you kind of explain that to people because it's new with the, with AAA this season. Yeah. So because, you know, at the start of the season, they weren't going to have any sort of postseason or anything just because of COVID and everything, trying to figure out all that. Um, and once they got about halfway through the summer, they decided like, Hey, like we could still kind of do some stuff. And so at the AAA in particular, they instituted this final stretch championship in which they added 10 games to the end of everybody's schedules where you played five at home, five away. And whoever had the best record at the end of the final stretch uh, was named the final stretch champion. So, yeah, I mean, a really impressive effort by the Bulls. You know, they go out and they, they, they almost went 10 and 0. They won the first nine games uh, and then ended up dropping the season finale. But uh, obviously, I mean, a, a great season for them and really solid season for Brian Moran as well. Uh, who ended up making some big contributions to the team down the stretch. Uh, during that final stretch, made five appearances, allowed no runs over four and a third innings. So a really solid year for him, obviously. And you know, again, to stay you know, pretty close to UNC and be able to pitch so well. Uh, somebody that we knew was in the playoffs in the minor leagues, former Tar Heel Aaron Sabato. Um, his team fortunately loses in their series. So just one series and he's all done. But 20 Sabato bombs this year from him in his first minor league season. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. You know, he ended up finishing the year. I mean, you know, as we talked about before, you know, kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start there, kind of in uh, low A, but, you know, really picked it up down the stretch. I mean, I think he hit about 14 or 15 of his home runs uh, since the beginning of August. Um, so, I mean, really strong finish the year for him. His 20th homer of the season came in game four of that uh, best of five series. But, uh, yeah, really strong showing for him and really interested to see kind of, you know, what the next step is for him, you know, whether – you know, does he start next year at double A? You know, they put him back at high A for a little bit just to start the year since he only got a little bit of time there. Uh, really to see just kind of what's next for him, obviously, after his first pro season. An interesting move with somebody who got demoted, but it was for a really good reason. B-Mart, Brandon Martirano, uh, had made his way kind of up through the ranks this year, really minor league season, and they demote him so he could play in the playoffs, though. Yeah, I, I think that's good. You know, obviously, I think that says a little bit just about kind of how the Giants are viewing B-Mart as kind of just a guy who, you know, I think it says something that they want to get him that postseason experience. Um, so he was able to go and play with the Eugene Emeralds and win the High A West Championship. He played in two of the four games and went three for seven with the double. And uh, shortly after that, once that ended, uh, the Giants rewarded him with a promotion to the AAA Sacramento River Cats. He ends up getting one at bat and he made the most of it. Uh, hitting a pinch hit home run is only about a season triple A. So a uh, great year, end of the year for him. You know, finished the year slashing 241, 371, 456 across all three levels that he played in. You know, he, Cooper Criswell, Cody Roberts ended up being the only targets who played across at least three levels this season. So, uh, yeah, just a great year for him and what, you know, another guy in his first full pro season. Last guy I wanted to touch on in the minors didn't have any pro season, but we talked a lot about him, Michael Bush put together a fantastic year in the Dodgers organization and was rewarded with being named a double A all-star. Yeah. I mean, great year for him. We talked a little bit just about kind of the year he had on our last show, but just kind of, you know, taking a closer look at some of the numbers uh, he ended up his 48 extra base hits tied for the double A central league lead. Uh, he also tied for the league lead in way runs created 
led the leagues and runs scored with 84, which was 10 more than any other player. And then this was just kind of the most Michael Bush stat of all is, you know, he finished second in the league in walks with 70, but he saw more pitches than anyone in the league with 2038, which is about 40 more than anybody else. Uh, and Literally, I as soon as you say that, it's like, yeah, okay. I mean, it's what you expect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as soon as I saw, I was like, yep, it sounds about right. Um, but I thought it was also interesting is, you know, he only made seven errors all season on 312 total changes at second base. You know, when he was on the show uh, back in July, you know, we talked to him a little bit about making that transition to second after mostly playing first in the uh, outfield here at UNC. So good to see him continue to make some strides there and which will obviously play a large part in kind of, you know, what his major league future is as well. So transition to the current team, because this weekend is the start of a, a big couple of weeks here for the baseball program. Uh, the full world series begins Friday at two o'clock tomorrow, hopefully uh, weather hitting, fingers crossed, knocking on wood. <laughs> we won't have any issues there, but just keep up to date on, on Twitter, but they're supposed to start tomorrow at two. Pat and I'll have the call for that one. They'll play game two on Sunday, which I unfortunately am not able to do. I'll be working field hockey. And then uh, next week we have Vanderbilt, but we wanted to talk about this weekend and these games kind of what to expect. Um, it's also old timers weekend and UNC parents weekend. So there should be a lot of people. It'll be a fun time at the ballpark if you can make it out. Uh, but as they do every year, they split the teams up and it's like in practices. It's not just for these fall world series. And the teams have little point systems and whichever wins at the end of the year, there's a reward and bragging rights. That's probably <laughs> the biggest thing is bragging rights. But this year we've got the snap dragons and the shotguns. We'll find out if we can, who came up with these names, but <laughs> no promises. Uh, but for the snap dragons and the shotguns, one of three for this fall world series, we wanted to talk about the overall, what we're looking for, but also Pat, which person from each team you think you're putting a little star next to of, I want to see what's going to happen here this weekend, building off of the scrimmages and what we saw over the summer. So I'll let you go first with the Snapdragons. Yeah. So look at the Snapdragons. And by the way, these rosters are posted. I'm not going to read through everybody. You will get confused and I will as well, <laughs> but you can go look at them on Go Heels though. Yeah, I'm surprised we're not going to have people coming out wearing their Snapdragons and Shotguns t-shirts. Like, you got to go. <laughs> Everybody need to be – we need advance notice on this so we can go make our t-shirts and have them ready for this weekend. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, looking at both rosters just in generally real quick, I mean, I, I do think, you know, it is quite interesting just in terms of how they're broken down. I mean, you know, I, my first look, you know, I was looking at one area, like, you know, looking at the infielder group for Snapdragons. I was like, ooh, that's a really good group. And then you go and you look at the infielder group for shotguns it's like mm, that's also a really interesting group. so I, i'm not, i'm really interested to see how this breaks down uh in terms of kind of like a standout for the snapdragons who i'm look, kind of looking for uh, i'm looking at alberto asuna obviously you know he's a guy who you know coming in from walter state who we've talked a lot about is a guy who you know there's a lot of expectations around you know 100 plus rbis last year you know national player of the year at that level um you know and kind of early on this fall it seemed like he was kind of getting his feet wet a little bit just kind of really kind of figuring things out, like not really, I wouldn't say putting too much pressure on himself, but just kind of, you know, really kind of getting a feel for kind of where he's at and everything a little bit. Um, but I feel like over these last two weeks or so, he's really kind of just settled in. Um, I know in the two of the three scrimmages last week, he homered. Um, so it really seems like he's kind of coming around a little bit. And obviously, I mean, he's a guy who, you know, if he's anywhere close to the player that he was at the junior college level uh, could be, 
and a significant, significant piece of this team uh, this coming spring. So, yeah, I mean, he's somebody who I'm definitely kind of circling his name and just kind of watching this weekend. Yeah, I think a lot of times we think of just the results that you get on the field, not realizing that, hey, this kid just had to go from one college now to another and acclimate himself with life, let alone getting ready in the box at the plate. So I think those are good points and happy to hear that he has started to settle in and excited to see him uh, this weekend. For me on the Snapdragon side and anybody who has followed us, I don't think they'll be surprised by this pick. Uh, Davis Palermo, um, I've said it multiple times. I think if he is, whether it's in the starting role or out of the bullpen, if he is somebody who can get the command under control, um, could be a really, really big piece to the puzzle. Uh, especially with so many question marks revolving around the pitching and what was lost from last year and what was just not there at some times during the season. Um, so if he can show again, like he's done a couple different times this fall, that uh, that, that command is there, that fastball in the mid-90s with the, the sinker is, it's a deadly combo. So I'm really interested to see him and how he does and and to see if they extend him at all. You know, we talked a little bit about it off air. doesn't really matter whether a guy's a starter or a reliever at this point, but you're getting towards that point in the season where maybe you're not just going to go two, but you might see three, four innings. And that's when you're starting to get second time through the order, which is a, a big deal. So, yeah, so Osuna and Palermo are the two I think that we're going to point out. Yeah, and I think the other thing about Palermo that I'm really interested in is, you know, obviously it's hard to create any sort of, super high leverage situations during the fall. Obviously, you know, kind of the biggest ones you can get would be, you know, the Walter State scrimmage two weeks ago, the Vanderbilt scrimmage next weekend. But I think this is probably somewhere in the middle of that or so, uh, playing the Fall World Series. I mean, obviously, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, these guys are competing for something a little bit. So I think, you know, if he can be put in a situation, you know, maybe kind of, you know, close game late or something like that, I'd really be interested to see kind of how he does in that as well. Because as we talked about before, I mean, not only could we maybe see him as a starter, but I think, you know, if he is, as he's been pitching so far, if he's at that level, you know, teaming him with Kane O'Brien and Gage Gillian and Nick Pry, I mean, I think that's a really lockdown bullpen like we kind of talked about uh, previously. Yeah, whether it's the starting rotation or the bullpen, I just think him being out there and being able to contribute would be for the Tar Heels. So let's transfer to the shotguns now. Um, for the shotguns, I actually picked a position player here and went Tyler Causey. Uh, and because of the potential with his bat, but it's also a where does Tyler Causey fit in in the field? And I'm really intrigued to see, is he back out in the outfield where he made a nice play when we saw him in that Wall State scrimmage? Do they put him back at first base where he saw him at times last season? Uh, the DH is obviously an option as well, but I just think growth of his bat and where he can fit in in the field is something that I want to watch. Yeah, and not to look too much into this or anything, but just kind of funny how, like, when you look at the rosters, currently Causey, uh, he's only listed as an infielder. Um, but, yeah, really interesting to see kind of, you know, where he's at. And there's a few of these guys here as well, like, you know, just looking at the shotguns in particular, Angel Zarate is the only guy listed as strictly an outfielder. Everybody else is, you know, infielder, outfielder, even, you know, an infielder pitcher. Like, there's a lot of those kind of hybrid guys. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, really kind of curious to see where he's at. And obviously, you know, he's another guy who – you know, we saw him perform so well there in that Walter State scrimmage, performed really well early in the fall. I know he had another home run uh, in this last set of scrimmages last week. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just really excited about him. And I think, you know, in general, I mean, I think there's guys, I mean, just to expand a little bit, just who have a lot of high upside there 
in that shotgun's infield with Patrick Alvarez, Mac Horvath, Colby Wilkerson, you know, all guys who we've talked about a lot over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I think honestly, the biggest thing to take away from these two games that we'll have Friday and Sunday, it used to be Friday, Saturday, they have switched it. It's Friday and Sunday for the two games. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway is hope you hope that there's some more clarification on, you know, outside of second and third and catcher and that angels Rate spot, which we don't know where <laughs> it is. Everything else is kind of, for grabs so does Patrick Alvarez have another really strong weekend and kind of solidify himself as another infielder does Tyler Causey does Hunter Stokely there's a lot of names the freshmen that we talked about Honeycutt and um, and Holbrook they're kind of in a battle I feel like with each other same type of player a lot of speed both outfielders you know how do all these things slowly start to shake out I think this weekend is going to be a, a really big step in that answer yeah absolutely in terms of kind of you know the guy who I'm really looking at, I'll go to one of those guys who is a bit more established, and that's Tomas Frick. Um, obviously, I mean, we talked him up all last season, just kind of how impressed we were uh, with him as a true freshman coming in here and starting almost every single game behind the plate. Um, but I think also, you know, as we've talked about throughout the fall, just kind of seeing what the next step is in terms of his development as an offensive player. Uh, something I'm really excited to watch. I'm excited to see how he performs on that end this weekend, and then just defensively as well. Uh, one of the things I was looking at is, you know, we've highlighted so far just kind of the speed that we have in this true freshman class with Vance Honeycutt, Casey Cook, Reese Holbrook. Well, all three of those guys are on the Snapdragons. Uh, and so it seems like Tomas Frick's going to have some work to do behind the plate in terms of kind of managing the running game a little bit. Obviously, that's not just on him. But, uh, yeah, just to be something I'm going to be watching, something within the game, just kind of see, you know, how they kind of go back and forth a little bit there as well. Yeah, it'll also be a great opportunity for those younger guys to see. I mean, he's going to have one of the better arms in the ACC behind the plate. So it's not like once you get into conference play, it's going to be a different level, that level behind the plate already. So let's go ahead and measure yourself. That's I like that one. I like that pick a lot. Um, so it is a little bit weird how it's set up, though, because normally you would have your three games and the series would be decided by the end of it. Uh, but they're going to do those two and then, we got Vanderbilt next weekend, uh, and it's kind of interesting because the two teams, they get into the, the Fall World Series. You know, you're on separate sides, but they're going to have to come together for that Vandy game and then separate again for probably just looking at rosters. Wouldn't be surprised at all if it's a rubber match to decide who wins this thing. Yeah, let's hope so. That'd be obviously next Sunday, uh, the 16th, and uh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of excitement. I think also you mentioned, you know, having the game Friday and Sunday this week, hopefully with the Florida State football game, afternoon game on Saturday, maybe, you know, we'll be able to draw in some people from that as well, you know, coming out to the Bosch on either Friday or Sunday as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Should be a lot of fun. And obviously, like, like we talked about, just kind of seeing, you know, even with some of these freshmen, just kind of seeing, you know, a little bit higher level of uh, kind of, pressure i guess in a sense uh just see how they perform yeah uh, it's gonna be a fun weekend there's also field hockey against duke friday night after the game so come over to baseball <laughs> slide over to karen shelton stadium it's really easy i'm telling you if you haven't been there they're back to back it's really nice and easy but uh with old leaguers as well being back it really should be a great environment uh, unfortunately we don't have a guest for you this week we wanted to get a podcast out we uh, will hope to sit down with 
at least one of the current players and with old leaguers, maybe we get some of them to sit down with us uh, while we're doing the game uh, tomorrow. But anything you want to add here, Pat? I don't think so. I just, yeah, really looking forward to the weekend. Um, I think, you know, just in terms, I guess, one more guy who I think I'm just really excited about is Brian Schaefer. Um, just kind of end there. I mean, he's a guy who we talked up a lot. Um, and just, I'm, I'm re really excited, you know, D1 baseball, they're rolling out their list of the top 50 Juco uh, players transfers for this season. So far, I haven't seen Schaefer's name yet, but I mean, he's somebody who seems more and more like he's going to be a very, very significant contributor for this team this spring. If you can't make it out to Bostomer Stadium for either of the games, go ahead and look on the baseball side of the Go Heels website for an audio link. Pat and I will be with you tomorrow, Friday, for game one. I don't know if they got somebody to fill in for us on Sunday, but if not, there'll be plenty of tweets, and we will be back next week to record another one and tell you all about it. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Bosch the Bigs. For Pat James, I'm Kyle Stroud. So long.